I'd like to give a big shout out to the Hoodoo Gurus who have given us permission to use part of their song, That's My Team, as our new podcast episode intro for all of their music. And whenever they are going live or performing live, head to their Facebook and their Instagram. The links will be in the description below. Be sure to give them a like and a follow as well on Facebook and Instagram. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Final Tackle Podcast. I'm CJ, and I'm joined by one of the, honestly, workhorses of the NRL, in my opinion. His name's David Gower. Thanks very much for joining me here today, mate. Thanks, CJ. Thanks for the wrap, mate. Happy to be here. Nah, no worries. So, I mean, let's get started. Um, you actually got your debut for Professional Rugby League for Salford over in the Super League before you started in the NRL. What was it like starting over there and playing in the Super League? Yeah, that's right. I did. It was a sort of, it's been a different journey for me throughout my whole career. I sort of came out of Jersey Flag and started playing reserve grade at the West Magpies at the time who were feeding into the West Tigers. And my dad's British, so okay. I grabbed uh, my manager told me to grab a British passport just in case anything popped up and then halfway through the I think it was the 2006 season an opportunity uh, came up to go and play for Salford and I sort of received that phone call from a manager on a Wednesday and I was flying out on the Sunday so oh, it was a bit enough. of a whirlwind yeah was it to go over for a trial or like you'd signed for them at that point you know I'd signed an 18 month contract so for a season and a half I signed and um, yeah mate no I'd never left the country before I was mum used to do my cooking cleaning washing everything and all of a sudden I landed uh, I landed in the, the UK and uh, had to fend for myself and what was that like um, not just having to fend for yourself but having to fend for yourself in a whole other country let alone just moving out of home you know yeah, that's right. Well, I hadn't cooked too many dishes, to be honest, in my time before leaving home. But and I was lucky when I went to Salford, there was a really good crew of like mature Australian boys. Yep. So there was a guy by the name of Sean Rutchison who took me under his wing. Oh, he lived um, just across across the keys in Salford there from me. And Kevin McGuinness was there as well. Yep. We had uh, Aaron Moore. We had John Wilshere. Wow. A couple of old names. None of the, uh, the if you got the young young people listening will have a clue who they are. I know exactly good who you're people. About. I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, no, they were fantastic guys and you know, really took me under their wing and made me feel extremely welcome. And, you know, so did everyone at the Salford, Salford City Reds organization when I was there. You know, so I look back on my time very fondly, the 18 months I spent there. And, you know, it's, um, yeah, it was a good fun. Mate. I grew up, to be honest, over there. I was a kid when I left and, and I came back able to fend for myself. Wow. Yeah, well, yeah, as you said, you know, you were able to you know, cook, you're able to do literally everything, which is honestly really good. Um, and you came back over, um, I think either 08, 09, um, and you played for the Tigers, played one game for them, and you also got NSW Cup Player of the Year. What was that like receiving that award? Yeah, it was good. I was I was a pretty solid reserve grader, always had been. And, you know, I was, um, you know, frustrated at times at the Tigers there because I was, you know, consistently one of our best, if not our best, every week for two years. And it gets a little bit frustrating, but, you know, sort of uh, as I've progressed through my career, I sort of understand the nature of the beast a little bit more now. But, you know, at the time you don't when you're, when you're in it and you're out playing guys that are dropping back from first grade that are getting opportunities and, and things like that, it does get very frustrating. And, you know, I was a Bowman Tigers junior, so I was very grateful to, to have made my NRL debut at the West Tigers, even if it was a little bit tokenistic. It was sort of around 26 
six in the 09 season. So a lot of people don't play any games. So, you know, I was very happy to take them, take it how it came. And I was actually at work when, when Tim Sheens rang me and said I needed to come to training the following day. I was an electrician at the time. And oh, wow. I th- oh, yeah, I just thought, oh yeah, sweet, no worries, mate. I'll, I'll come and I'll come and uh, run around with the boys, and and I found out that I think Chris Hinington was was ruled out mm-hmm. that game, and I think yeah, whoever told me I like, come around if it was Hino or someone, or it might have been Tim Sheens himself, said, hey mate, you're playing this week, so you know I was pretty pumped. Did what did what did your family say when you told them that you were getting you know your first grade NRL debut? Yeah, they were excited. They had seen sort of, you know, that I was consistently a really good reserve grader and I'd been fighting pretty hard, you know, through work and, and playing semi-professionally to, to make that dream come true, you know. So to to get one game I was very grateful for and to do it at my, my junior club was, was something that was special. And, you know, I wish there was more and, and there probably should have been many more there, but that yeah. wasn't to be at the time for whatever reasons, yeah. Now that's fair enough. And well, you went from playing one to now you to now playing well over a hundred because you got your hundredth game under your belt this year, for, and it was with the Parramatta Eels, um, I think, or it may have been you got your hundred. No, it was your hundredth game for the Eels. Sorry, this year, um, but you got your hundredth game. I think it was last year in total. First of all, congratulations on such an amazing feat, and also a hundred games for a club in general. Um, what's it like at the Eels for you personally getting? For lack of a better term, you could say a restart potential chance, you know, after going from Tigers to Dragons to Manly, and then the Eels call you up the year after, unfortunately, Manly lost the grand final, and, you know, giving you a new lease on life in the contract. Yeah, that's right. I've um, I played, I think my 100th was in 2018 I played, yep. um, which was very, it was something that I always wanted to achieve, you know, for me, that was probably my career milestone that I was really chasing. That was something that meant a lot to me. And yeah. And then to have played a hundred games for the Eels is, you know, is something that I'm very, very, very happy to have done and very privileged to have been able to do. And you know, not many people get to do it at the one club. So, you know, to be able to do it at a club that, you know, really you know, gave me my chance to become a, a seasoned first grader is something that I'll, I'll be forever grateful for and indebted to the club for. But, you know, I was lucky enough during the thir- 2013 season that Brad Arthur had come across as the assistant coach at Manly at the yeah. time. And I think I played, you know, 14 games, but two of them I didn't get on. So technically I played 12 games that year and, you know, Brad had sort of seen enough and it indicated that if he was to get a top coaching gig anywhere and, yeah, he said he was in the hunt for a few at the time. Uh, he said, you know, I'll, I'll bring you across, obviously, if, if there's enough room in the cap that would allow it. And lucky for me, I was pretty heavy down negotiations to go and play for Wakefield Trinity at the time in the UK. Oh, wow. That's one of their sort of marquee type signings. So... Um, yeah, I was really far down that. I was probably within a week of committing to a, I think it was a two-year deal at the time and Brad rang and I was uh, pretty, pretty happy to be honest. I just had my first daughter and I didn't really want to leave yeah. Australia just yet. So, um, and then, you know, from there I signed a one-year deal, got extended for two more and then extended again and you know, just little one-year deals consistently yeah. after that. But um, you know, I really found my feet at the club and, and I really do really love the organisation. That's awesome. Um, and speaking of one-year deals, you announced your retirement last year in 2019, but more or less, for lack of a better term, overturned that and signed a one-year deal with the Eels. What was the deciding factor for you to overturn the retirement decision? Uh, well, whoever printed it, I didn't actually 
retire. I hadn't announced anything. Um, okay, So I think, yeah, that's right. So I didn't overturn anything. Someone jumped my gun and was trying to retire me before I was ready. Oh. Oh, mate. <laughs> so, no, I think because part of my deal over the last couple of years has been a roll-off field as well. So I think, I don't know if it was someone at my club or, or someone had just assumed that I was hanging them up. Oh. But um, <laughs> there was still a bit of fight left in this old dog. So, I, uh, you know, as long as I felt like I was contributing and, and the Eels wanted me to stay around, I was always more than happy to play on. And, you know, I still felt like I had a little bit to offer. So, you know, so I was very happy to have got the one year. And obviously this year has been a little bit frustrating with COVID and things like that. But, you know, we're going great and, and it's just really good to be part of a strong squad. Honestly, that's awesome. That's so awesome to hear. Um, we've actually got a few questions from some diehard Eels fans. Um, so I'll let them take it over. The first one is from Marcus. He's one of my mates. He's actually, yeah, an Eels tragic. So take it away, Marcus. One second. Ask, how's the team's vibe after the big loss to the Rabbitohs? And I know Brad keeps saying that defence is your main focus at training and just wanted to see if the boys' confidence is still there and if they're ready to fire back this week against the Warriors? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, we've had a couple of days off actually to refresh. So we actually go back into training tomorrow. So the boys that played on the weekend, they did video on Friday morning yep. as a group. And, you know, I think there was some pretty honest conversations around, you know, sort of what went wrong structurally, system-wise and, and things like that. And it's just about us accepting that performance was well below expectation and well below par. You know, that's individually and, and as a collective playing group. And, you know, we've got a strong roster. We've got a strong squad. So I would assume that, you know, if, if, if we turn in too many important more performances like that, there's going to be changes in the 17. And, um, you know, we've, uh, we're lucky enough that, yeah, we do go quite deep at our club and the boys are aware of that. So... You know, I have no doubt that when you get humbled like that so publicly and there's a lot of people sort of lining up to have a bit of a shot at us at the moment and um, whether that's right or wrong, it's just the nature of, of being Parramatta and being one of the more popular clubs in the NRL support-wise and, you know, on TV when it's sort of broadcast-wise. So it just comes comes part and parcel with it. We either use it as motivation or, or we black it out and, and just, you know, use our own individual goals and group goals as motivation, which which I think we'll do. And I think everyone's going to bounce into training on Monday and and really look forward to the Warriors who are playing really well. And you know, to their credit, they're away from home and they've had some, they've faced a lot of adversity this year. And, That's an understatement. You know, Todd Payton, yeah. Well, Todd Payton, I knew him from my time at the Tigers team. We've brought them together fantastically. So, you know, they're no, uh, they're no pushover. They're going to be a quality side and they're playing well and they're confident. So we've got our work cut out for us. Now, for sure. Um, thank you, Marcus, for that question. Now, next two questions come from um, a Parramatta Eels fan page admin. Again, he's a, a diehard fan. His name's Adam, and he asks the following questions. G'day, Dave. My name is Adam. I run a large Eels group on social media. Firstly, I'd just like to say that you're extremely popular with our fan group due to your professionalism and work ethic, both on and off the field. We appreciate that. Um, I'd like to ask you, you were a very late bloomer. You didn't really play regular first grade until 28 years of age. Now, you're 35 and you've racked up well over 100 first grade games, which is an amazing achievement. I'd like to ask, what kept you motivated to persevere and never give up about playing regular NRL? And secondly, 
What advice would you give to players who are still in that age bracket you were back then, still looking to make a breakthrough? Cheers, Dave. Thank you. Good couple of questions, and you know, straight off the bat, you know, I really appreciate you know that you and your your fan group, um, you know, sort of appreciate what I do and, and the hard work that I that I try to try to do consistently when I play. When I get uh, lucky enough to pull the jersey on, I I pride myself on work ethic. You know, I was never the most talented player, but yeah, thanks, mate. I'm not the strongest, fastest, or fittest, and I definitely don't have the best hair. But I um I definitely pride myself on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're laughing too hard at that one. Um, I, I pride myself on on the work I do on the field, and you know, just sort of uh, I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I'm very passionate about playing for Parramatta, and I'm very blessed to bring pull the jersey on when I do, and and I'm glad that you see that, and that comes across to you watching, you know, on TV or live or whatever it is. And you know, in answer to your first question about being a late bloomer, what sort of kept me motivated? It was I uh, I just. I just loved rugby league. I love playing. I love the lifestyle. I was, um, I'm ambitious by nature. You know, I wanted to play a hundred games once I played that first and you know, my work ethic, my commitment, my resilience and my perseverance were, were never going to let me stop for anything less. I always knew I, I had the, I had the ability to be successful and, you know, I've just actually been speaking to Andrew Davey just prior to him making his debut and, I've said it to a lot of guys um, throughout my time there, but, you know, got a really good relationship with AD at the moment. And I said to him, the difference between a first grader and a good reserve grader is opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that's all it is. And I think, you know, Andrew's proven that. And so, and and I was the same. I was very similar to him. I guess that's, you know, I said a lot of myself in AD and that's not good for him because he's he's losing his hair too. But um, (laughs) no, so that's, you know, that's something that I did, you know, just opportunity. You, you just wait and, and know that when it comes, that it's what you want. And I think AD's worked that out as well. And I think your second question was around, it was about, what was it? Um, do you remember CJ? Yeah, it was about um, what advice do you give to um, players who are in a similar position, such as Andrew Davey, because he's in a similar, getting his regular start like you were getting regular um, starts around a late blooming age, around 28. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, that's another good question too. I think, you know, when you're sort of a little bit more seasoned, as as they say, and you're a little bit longer in the tooth, uh, um, it gets tough to compete with, um, you know, young guys that are on the fast track. But, you know, I think you've really just got to be, you know, quite meticulous in what you do and you've got to be consistently good at training. You can't be inconsistent on the training field because if you're inconsistent on the training field, that's the first place coaches look. And if you're inconsistent there, they're never going to give you an opportunity to play first grade. And you've got to be hungry. You've got to be resilient. You've got to always show that desire. Um, you know, if you're not willing to sacrifice, you know, you're never going to make it. And there's a quote I use sometimes when I speak to young kids about it. And it's, you know, if you're refused, what is it? If you're not willing to pay the, the price of sacrifice, you're not allowed to complain about the pain of disappointment. So, yeah, it's something that stood out a long time, a long time ago to me. And it's something that I've tried to, you know, really sort of work into my career. I mean, you know, I don't want, never want, and I don't want anyone else out. If you think you're good enough and you show consistently that you are good enough, you'll get your opportunity. But, you know, there's that other old saying that if you point one finger at someone else, there's four pointing straight back at you. So, 
you know, look in the mirror first, look inward first, assess your weaknesses and be honest with yourself. Work out what it is you need to do to, to be successful. And, you know, if that's, if that's asking the coach all the time, mate, what do I need to do to be a first grader? And I think, you know, well, that's actually something I did at Manning with BA. I said uh, one of my very first meetings with Jeff Tuvey as well, and I think it was Dave Penner at the time, I said, I'm sick of being a reserve grader. I think I'm good enough to be an NRL player. Tell me what I need to do. And it's just being happy and, and confident and comfortable to have those open and honest conversations. Yep. And don't be don't be shy in, in saying what it is you want. If you're not gonna say it out loud, you're never gonna get it. Wow. Again, that's that rings true for everything. Wow. Um, good questions from Adam and Marcus. We've got one last question from Parramatta Die Hard and then we'll get back into some more topics. And it's from Phil Bride, and this is his question for you. Hey David, uh, it's been great having you as part of our NRL Parramatta Eels team. Um, just wondering um, what your future plans are once uh, you do hang up the boots. Um, we're hoping to see you back on the field ASAP. Um, we need your steady influence on the field. So just wondering what your plans will be after you um, do eventually hang up the boots in the next couple of years. So yeah, uh, that'd be great if you could answer that. Um, hope to... Um, See you on the field, helping our boys finish off the season strong. Thanks, David. Thanks for your service so far for the paramedic. Yeah, nice. Good question again. Thank you. Uh, I hope to be back in the 17 sooner rather than later too, to be honest. But um, that's not my decision. But uh, if I am called upon, I'm ready, willing and able to contribute in the way that I usually do. And um, as far as posts retirement career that will most likely be in the well-being aspect of the business I've been doing a lot of that anyway naturally over the last two years with our elite juniors so I'm actually currently elite New South Wales rugby league elite pathways well-being manager for the club as well as playing so I think um, you know I'm hoping to stay involved in the organization and and my understanding at the moment is that uh, Parramatta are, are more than happy to accommodate that so you know when that is i'm not sure yet we will see however um i'm I'm really hopeful and i believe the club are too that i will stay around and work in an off-field capacity and try to try to give back i suppose as much as i can and and help the young kids coming through and make sure that you know they're, they're doing all right off the field and with their own well-being because the better someone is off the field, the better rounded they are as an individual. Yep. You know, the, um, the, the offside of that is that you're a better athlete. So, No, that's very true. Um, I've got to um, say thank you very much to Phil, Marcus and Adam for your questions. Anyone who's listening to this episode, um, if you want to submit questions for our next guest, let us know. Send it to the messages um, of our Facebook page, and we'll get that sorted for you guys. Now, back into some uh, sporting topics about your career, etc. Um, who or like what team for you personally is the most physically demanding you find to go up against? It's a good question. The toughest physically to play. Uh, it's, it changes often year to year. Um, the Bulldogs always drag us. It might sound strange because I haven't sort of been so as successful on the field, but yeah, they're a tough, physical, gritty side. Mm-hmm. 
um, playing, obviously playing against, you know, the Roosters, obviously, just because they're so well-drilled and professional is difficult. For sure. Yeah, their forward packs, you know, it's almost an international forward pack as well, so they're tough. Uh, Melbourne, obviously, they're just they're just robots. You know, they're so well-drilled as well that, you know, 1-17, to 17, you know what you're going to get. Um, yeah, I don't know, probably... I don't know, like I always sort of try to worry about my own game and, and bring my strengths as opposed to yep. worrying about who I'm up against. So yeah, no, that's fair. I, I kind of always try to back myself anyway. Yep. So no, whether that's, that's a bit of footwork, an offloader or, or a uh, tip on, it's, it's you're just doing the best with what uh, what I have. No, that's fair. Um, as I say, don't dwell too much and don't play the game over a thousand times in your head before the game's on. Um Got a few fun topics um, we could say. So, what's your current beer of choice at the moment? Well, I've been into the Great Northerns for a while now, and I just find them really crisp, really nice. I love settling down into an afternoon beer. Great Northern, you can sort of drink them all night without, you know, getting too pissy. As <laughs> yep. But uh, and I just I find them really crisp and enjoyable on a, especially you know spring summer days oh, in a beer hey, garden. It'd go down so well. Yeah, and I've been working hard outside on the house, so it would have been would have been nice. But I'm training tomorrow, so I yeah, no, I haven't. Fair. No, that's fair. Um, how do you like your steak cooked? Oh, it's medium, medium rare has to be. Yeah, hundred percent. Do you like any certain sauce with it, or just as long as it's medium rare? No, well seasoned steak should never have sauce. Yes, agreed. I always get in an argument with my wife. She always <laughs> cooks pepper sauce. But I season a bit of olive oil, salt and pepper, cooked over charcoal. Beautiful. Why would you ruin it with sauce? Oh, agreed, mate. That sounds so good. Um, what current show or movie series are you binging on Netflix at the moment? Yeah, I just finished Shit's Creek on Netflix oh, last night. So good. <laughs> really, really good. I mean, my wife really enjoyed it. It's really funny. Dry, dry-witted humour. It was excellent. I really liked it. Honestly, that's where it's at. Um, I guess that's really it. Um, actually, sorry, I got uh, one question on behalf of one of our sponsors, Sky Spark Electrical. They ask, what advice would you give to your younger self to go through life and the NRL in general, knowing what you know now? <sighs> Going through life, I would have started a uh, index share account earlier. Mm-hmm. We've got a really big jump start on that, a decade-long jump start on that. I would have, I would have bought that house and land package in the ponds back in 2006. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, no, I would just obviously with my money, I would have thought more strategically and long term. Yep. But um, you know, I've been able to recoup a bit of that back now, so that's not too much of an issue. And as far as footy goes, I was just had to wait until I physically matured. While I was working and training, you know, working eight to ten hours a day and training, I was never able to put weight on. Wow. So, you know, physically, I just, as much as I probably would want to have matured earlier, it just wasn't in my genetic makeup, thanks to my mum and dad, unfortunately. So, you know, I feel like I've sort of, you know, gone through my career in, in a way that I'm very proud of. And, um, yeah, probably, probably that would be, that's about it, I reckon. Yeah, no, that's fair. Thank you very much for joining me and giving your time for the podcast. Um, I'll get you on again at the end of the season for an Eels recap of the season and how you thought the boys did, how you personally think you did. And yeah, when the episode's up, I'll send you the links. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, mate. No worries. Uh, one quick question, though. I'm, I've stopped recording, though.